We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Could you even imagine, though? Could, could, could you imagine what that would have been like in that moment? To be holding the Son of God and to realize that your life was never going to be the same. All the plans that you had for your life, your future, your present was all, all transformed in that moment. Because in that moment, you as God's creation were holding the creator of the universe. It's a moment that we oftentimes don't like to think about like that. See, what we like to do is we like to, um, to think of it in a way that we can comprehend. And so what we'll do is we'll wrap that, those, those moments of awe and wonder, and we'll wrap them in bows and presents so we feel better about ourselves. But the reality is, is that she was real. It really did happen. And at Christmas, we sometimes don't look at that because we, we're too busy. But other times we don't look because we're scared of what it might look like to actually look deep into Jesus' face. But at Christmas, we're afforded something else, and that's a chance to stop, to pause, to look deep into Jesus' eyes and to see him for who he really is, our Redeemer, our Creator, our Savior. Because we have a chance to look at our Savior and become starstruck at who he is and what he's done for us. So grateful that you would be here today and spend your Christmas with us, you and your family. My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here. And, and just so you know, our mission here at this church is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully, to become starstruck with Jesus in every possible way. So if there's anything or any way that we can help you in that, that's why we exist. And so we're grateful that you would spend your Christmas with us. But Christmas is an interesting time because it's a time where we actually come back to familiar things. I mean, if you really think about it, we've done it, we do it time and time again. Things that bring us comfort and memories, maybe even a tear to our eye occasionally. And we think that we know them so well because, we, after all, we've done them year after year after year. They become part of the background of our life, that we've experienced them so often because we, well, we kind of take it for granted that we just know. So we'll play it in the background while we're watching TV or have TV on while we're wrapping presents or making dinner. We just kind of know how these things go. So let me just test how well you really know these things that you think that you know really well. So let's start off with just some, some Christmas characters to see how you are this Christmas, just to see uh, who is this, by the way. Who is it? Frosty, you're much more awake. I so appreciate that. So, so Frosty uh, didn't start as a cartoon. He started as a famous song, actually. Uh, and so you might not have known that. How about this one? Do you know who this is? The Grinch. Last service filled with Grinches. Could tell. Just a, just a bunch of them, right? But The Grinch, when it came out, it actually was the most expensive cartoon ever made at the time. $300,000 it took to be able to do The Grinch. How about this one right here? Anybody? 
Rudolph the, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yes, exactly. Now, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer started off, the producers wanted him to have red eyes instead of a red nose. That was the original plan. But when they started talking, they said, you know what? Kids would probably make fun of a, a reindeer with a red nose much more than red eyes. So that's why they did it. Crazy. How about this one? Anybody? Okay. It's a wonderful life. It's George, right? Okay. It's good. Watch some TV. It's okay. So um, the, the, original, the original script, the original screenplay was sold for $10,000. This movie has made like $11 million. Just crazy amount. That's a good, good bet. Last one. Who's this? Elf. Yeah, baby. Right? Elf. The scenes for Elf were actually inspired by Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And the original Elf was supposed to be Jim Carrey, not Will Ferrell. Right? Yes, somebody's like, amen to that. Like, I like that, right? Amen to that, okay? But these are, part, these are movies that you, I knew that, right? You, I knew everything about it. But did, but did you really know? And see, at the Christmas story, sometimes we do the very same thing. We come to this time of Christmas and we're like, all right, push play on this whole thing. I kind of know how this whole thing goes. We'll go to church. The bald guy will preach to us about Jesus. I get it, you know? Because after all, we think that we, we know every character in this whole thing, don't we? You know, we had the sheep, they were there. And we had the, like the shepherds, they were there. And they had this guy that was there. And then Joseph, he was there. We totally know about that. And there was a cow, it's got to be. Angel, he was there. You know, Jesus, he was there. Nope, can't have him. Drop. Okay, right? Right? We, we just think that we know. We think that we know everything about these guys. But at this Christmas Eve, I'm just going to ask you for a favor. I want you to slow down. I want you to slow down and I want you to actually think about this Christmas through the eyes of one character, and that character is Mary. To have a Mary's Christmas, if you will. So, to look at it through her eyes, and I believe that if you do that, and if we, we look at it through her eyes, I believe that there's going to be some things that we're going to learn that we might not have ever known about ourselves and certainly not about the story. And so we should think about this, that Mary's life is one of epic proportions, Epic proportions. Grew up in a small town called Nazareth. No more than 100 to 120 people in that whole thing. Fell in love with this young man by the name of Joseph. He was a carpenter. Rugged. Probably wore plaid. You don't know. Like just something like that, you know. She was, in, she was pledged to be married to him. Her whole life was set out in front of her. Get married. Have a child. Raise your family. That was her goal. That was the plan in life. That was where she was headed that is until God invaded her life, just like he's done many of our lives before. And in an instant, all of a sudden, the normal pattern of her life was dislodged as this angel Gabriel comes to her and speaks to this young junior high age girl and tells her this. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Angel looks at this junior high girl and says, don't be scared, don't be afraid. What? Are you kidding me? That's like telling a Dodger fan not to be afraid that Dave Roberts is going to screw something up in the playoffs and lose you another World Series. Okay? Right? It's going to happen, people. It's just going to happen. That's just how it rolls. But let's face it. What Mary was up against, it was not easy at all. She was pregnant, but still a virgin. She was going to have a baby as a junior high school student, but oh, by the way, it was going to be the son of God that you were going to give birth to. Oh, and you need to convince your husband, Joseph, that everything's going to be totally fine. This is totally normal. No big deal. Guys, that's tough. I mean, being pregnant alone is tough. So I've heard. You know, like, not per like, I don't, like, 
my wife, two times, has been pregnant, and uh, I've, I've seen what happens. Around month seven or eight, here's what happens. This is like, I am donezo, she says. She is so donezo. She is irritable. She's uncomfortable. The craving of KFC mashed potatoes does not work anymore. Those last couple of months are basically, let's just get through this so I do not kill you for doing to this to me husband kind of thing. This is basically what happens in the moment. And so what you do is you hunker down. You decide to, you stay close to home, you prepare a go bag, you rest a lot, you do, uh, you do f uh, trips from your house to the hospital to make sure you've got the timing right. You don't go anywhere. You know, those are the two places that you go. And that's all great. Unless you're married. That doesn't quite work for her. I mean, just think, just think about this for a moment. Just think about what she had to go through just to have Jesus, to give birth to Jesus. Because when Mary was in the final stages of her pregnancy, the last thing that she did was sit down and rest and relax. No, no, no. no there, there was no nesting for Mary. Um, she, her and Joseph didn't go to Target and use that little registry gun to be able to get a list together. Uh, she didn't have a, a baby shower where you ate Tootsie Rolls out of a diaper or, or got blindfolded when you ate uh, baby food. She didn't have any of those things. No, no, what Mary got... She got an 80-mile mile, uh, donkey ride to Bethlehem. That was her treat at the end of it because Joseph had to go because of the census. Well, that's what the Bible tells us. Look at verses 4 through 5 of chapter 2 of Luke. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. But if that wasn't good enough, all of a sudden, not only did she, uh, did she have an 80-mile trip where she's getting kicked in the bladder over and over by her ch uh, child every donkey ride that that happens, she, she gets there and she doesn't check into a Kaiser hospital. No, 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 no. She didn't find a natural birthing center anywhere. There was no doula rubbing her back as she gave birth to Jesus into a hot tub of warm water. There wasn't any of that happening. No, 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 not at all. No, look what she gets in verses 6 through 7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So Mary's accommodations were a, it was an outdoor cave just outside of earshot of Joseph's family who didn't have room for them. And so she had to be around animals and feed and feces. <clears throat> this probably was not her original birthing plan that she had thought of when she was pregnant. But regardless of all of that, all of that, Jesus is here. And now it's time to do what every parent does when you have a child. You start to figure it out. You start to figure it out. They had to figure out his routines. They needed to know what cries meant what. They had to, they had to live on no sleep at all. Or at least Mary did. Like, I mean, they had to work through some of these things. They had to start to adult when they weren't even adults yet. But isn't it funny, though, how we really think of these characters as just characters? Like, they're not real people. We just don't think of it. I mean, Joseph, oh, goodness, Joseph never raised his voice, never was upset about anything, never got angry. No, he just drank decaf coffee and whittled on the front porch. That's what Joseph did all the time. Mary, oh, what a sweetheart. Never got frustrated, never, ever, ever. She just sang worship songs in the key of G. And she smiled all the time. It was beautiful. Jesus, oh, Jesus, goodness. He never pooped or farted or puked or did any of that stuff. He was, he was the perfect child. That was Jesus. Hey, listen, can we be real for a second? 
These were real people. Real people. They had a real newborn. They had to really figure it out. They really sat up at night, Joseph and Mary saying, we are screwing up the son of God so bad right now. <laughs> like seriously, what counselor takes that client? My son is the son of God, can you please help him? What are you talking about, right? No, 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 they had to do that. They were real. They were just like any other parent, which is why, again, I love Christmas. Christmas is such a reminder, a chance to remember that Jesus left the extravagance of heaven to the mediocrity of earth so he could relate to us in every possible way. That should blow your mind. Blow your mind. But let's get back to Mary for just a second. Let's get back to Mary. So, so after she has Jesus, on top of that, she starts to get random guests. Not, not just family, friends, or anything like that. Random, smelly shepherds that God told to come and ha to, to see this baby. Yeah, check it out. Bible. Check it out. Verse 15. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Now, I don't know about you as parents, but... But when we had our firstborn, my wife and I, uh, it was a big deal. Like, Shri had some pretty, pretty big, like, expectations if you were going to see our child. Because she was our firstborn child, Aniston was, born to two firstborn type A plus people. Which meant that you needed to hand sanitize like crazy first, okay? There were some ID checks that had to take place. There was body cavity searches that were done before you even entered the room. Like, this is what happened. This is what happened. But now think about Mary nursing baby Jesus. All of a sudden, this ragtag group of shepherds says, hey, we're here to see him. Yeah, how crazy of a scene could this possibly be? But that's what happened. See, we, we think that we know what happened, don't we? But do we really know what happened? These were curveballs that were thrown at Mary that she was not expecting in her life. Let me pull this up on the same page. I'm not going to assume that everybody knows what a curveball is. See, I'm a baseball guy. Played baseball, loved baseball, watched baseball all the time. So let me explain to you. In, in baseball, when a pitcher is throwing to a hitter, there really are two types of pitches that are thrown. The first is called fastballs. Fastballs you throw as hard as you can, usually are straight. They can go upwards of 100 miles an hour. Most of the, that's the most common pitch that you're going to get as a hitter is a fastball. Now, on the other side, though, these things called off-speed pitches. Off-speed pitches could be knuckleballs and sliders and curveballs and change-ups and you name it, anything. And it's meant to be a little bit slower to change directions and to throw your timing off. As a hitter, man, I hated curveballs. Twelve to six curveballs because they were on a different plane just drove me nuts. Because they'll make you look pretty silly, too, when you're not expecting them. Let me show you what this means. Dinner ready with the 0-2. We saw Alexi get buckled last year, and we see it again here tonight. Medina's going to be enjoying that one, that vision for a long time. Right? Right? I've been there. Been there, you know? What, how you, you're expecting one thing, and it's like, uh -huh. right? That's just what happens, right? You get the jelly jellies, right? That just happens. Hey, listen, Mary, Mary had a bunch of curveballs. Nine months ago, that her, a, a bunch of curveballs started to happen in her life. Change-ups that happened. She wasn't expecting them, but they happened. They caught her off guard. But now she doesn't have a choice. 
just to deal with them because that's what a mother does. That's what you do. You love your kids. You adapt to whatever you have to. It's just what you do, even if it's not what you want to do. And guys, I'm willing to bet that, man, your life has thrown you curveballs too. Maybe even this past year. Maybe it's that boss that came in and said, we're going to have to let you go. It could be that wife that comes in and says, I've been cheating on you and I want a divorce. It might be a son that decides to move away and you weren't expecting it. It could be the doctor that comes in and says, you know what? The diagnosis isn't good. Any one of those things could cause you some big change-ups to happen. Buckle your knees. And a lot of questions come up when those things happen. God, where are you in this? I thought I was doing the right thing, and then, and then this happens. What am I supposed to do now? God, the moment that I needed you the most, all of a sudden you seem to be gone. And we feel uneasy, we feel unsteady, we feel unsure about life. And we may even allow ourselves to think that God is completely unaware, out to lunch, he doesn't know where I'm at. But the amazing thing about Christmas is that what seems like a curveball in Mary's life, and maybe to us on the outside looking in, was all part of God's plan. He's, he's not taken back. He's not unsteady. His knees don't buckle when things like this happen. And that's exactly what Christmas shows us. In fact, God has been planning this thing since the inception of time. In hundreds and hundreds of years before it actually happened. Check it out. 700 years before Mary was told that she was going to be pregnant with Jesus... The prophet Isaiah says these words. Therefore the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That whole star that the uh, shepherds saw that brought them to Jesus, uh, you should know that Isaiah spoke about that too. He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Egypt. Even the city in which Jesus was born, this hick small town was talked about by the prophet Micah, who said, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So even though it was a shock to Mary, in a lot of ways it probably shouldn't have been, because God has always had a plan. He's not winging it. It's not like me some days when I come home and realize it's dinner and I have not fed my kids and I'm like, well, let's get some manwich and some green beans and some three-day-old cottage cheese and see what we could do. You know, like that's, that's not what God is doing. God has a plan. He always has had a plan. And the plan has always been to make a way back to himself. Because our sin has separated us from him. But God's timing is perfect. And even if it catches us off guard, it never catches God off guard. Because, because... All those prophecies told hundreds of years before they happened was because it was part of God's plan. Paul talks about this in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Adoption to sonship. God's plan all along has been to adopt us back into his family. To redeem us from the mess of our lives that sin has caused. See, Mary's life was not what she thought it would be. Think about it right now. Teen mom. 
teen mom, engaged to a carpenter, married but not really married, riding a donkey nine, or 80 miles, nine months pregnant, giving birth outside, having visitors from far and wide, and oh, that little thing of raising the Son of God. That is what her reality was right there. That is what it was in that moment. But what she could not have seen, could not have seen coming, is what happened when Jesus grew up. She would get to see him perform miracles. Let the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Turn water into wine. Heal so many different people and help so many different people. She would see him interact with people that no one would talk to, let alone touch. She would see him actually lead men and women in such a way that they were blown away because no religious leader ever before had led in the way that he led. But she also would see him hated for what he preached, beaten within an inch of his life, hung on a cross to be crucified and die right in front of her. But yet she also would get to see him resurrect, defeat death, fulfill his mission that he had for this world. All of this, all of this she never could have scripted for her life, but that's exactly what God had for her life. And this was the calling God had for her. She was part of the greatest story in all of human history because of her obedience and her faith. She was part of a miracle. But as we, we look at Mary's life, we should know something. That although she was part of something special, she wasn't all that special. She was a normal girl from a normal town during living a normal life when God called her to be part, invaded her life to be part of an abnormal miracle. But what I want every one of us to know is that all of us have been invited to that very same miracle. Same miracle. We are invited to the same Christmas miracle because if you didn't know, the reason the story happened in the first place was because of us. We are the reason God orchestrated this moment hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened. We are the reason that Jesus came as a baby, not as a king. We are the reason that God used, used out of the ordinary circumstances through ordinary people to do an extraordinary miracle. We are the reason because he loves us that much. Loves us. One of the most famous verses in all the scriptures, John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. My friends, you might have heard that a thousand different times, but did you know that that is a Christmas verse? That is a Christmas verse right there. Because if you leave here with nothing else but this one idea, I want you to hear this. Is that God gave so we could have. God gave so that we could have. God gave us Jesus so that we could have eternal life. That's Christmas all day long. That's exactly what he wants us to hear. So as we look at our lives and we consider the curveballs that come at us all the time, it's easy to get frustrated it's easy to wonder if God is taking a nap somewhere. It could even be easy to get upset with God. But maybe this Christmas we can look through the humility and life of Mary and see someone that despite what was thrown at her, she maintained her faith in God and belief that God's got this. That when she held this baby in her arms, she had no idea about what the future held, but she knew that God held her at the same time. 
At Christmas, we get the beautiful reminder of how much God loves us. So as we stand in awe of the Savior of the universe, sent to save us out of love, we can rest assured that he has us through the curveballs of life. That when we feel off balance, he does not. He's got us. He loves us. And we can know that without a shadow of a doubt because we know that God gave so that we could have. I oftentimes think back to when um, my kids were babies. And I remember holding them for the first time and looking at them and having this sense of just awe and amazement, but also this sense of reality, a reality that they're going to need me for everything. I'm going to need to feed them, teach them to talk, teach them to walk, discipline them, talk to them about how to live life the right way, how to do homework, how to date someday, how to get married, how to be a husband or a wife. Like all of that is going to fall, fall on me to be a part of. But I also looked at them and in this moment just realized that as much as I love them right now, it pales in comparison to how much God loves me. He loves me more than my heart could even handle. He loves me that much. And it brought me back to this very important reality that God is holding me just as I'm holding my child. And as he looks down at me, he realizes that I'm going to need him for everything. I depend on him for everything. My life, who I am, my saving, because I can't save myself. I need to save. He's going to need to provide everything. And that's why Christmas is so beautiful. Because at Christmas, it reminds us that God gave so that we could have. And at communion, we remember that. We remember that Jesus didn't stay as a baby. He grew up to be a man, lived a life perfectly. Took on this cross, this bloody, messy cross. Died a perfect death. Went into a tomb. And then defeated death so that you and I could live with him. He gave his life so we could have life. In communion, we remember that. Christmas, we remember that. So my prayer for you is this, is that if you know who Jesus is, my prayer is that you would trust him even that much more. That if you feel like life is throwing you curveballs, that you would hang tight and know that he's got you and that you would lean in just a little bit more to him. But if you don't know him here, my heart would tell you that there is a hole inside you that is missing something. And you have been trying to deal with your, the curveballs of life on your own. You're trying to grit it out, make more, earn more, try more, know more people, and it's not working. You're exhausted. And you're not sure if you could take another knee-buckling moment in your life. What Jesus would want you to know is that he gave so you could have. That he could take all your sin, all your shame, all your stuff, and he can make it white as snow just by saying you want him to be your Lord and Savior. And that's not me talking, that's God talking. That is his plan from the very beginning. So at communion, you're going to have a chance to do that. We're all going to have a chance to sit in awe of Jesus, to be starstruck by him. We can worship. And as the trays go by, you're going to find two cups in there, bread in the bottom, juice in the top. Take them both out, hold on to them. We're going to worship together, take it at the end. My prayer is that you'll really understand that God gave so you could have. Let's pray. Mighty God and Father, we thank you for Christmas. 
because Christmas is a, is a remembrance of new beginnings. A new child come to bring a new message to this earth and that message is that there's hope that your past does not have to define your future, that you can be set free through Jesus. So God, I pray for those that know you as Savior Jesus, I just pray that they would be reminded even more, that they would stand starstruck at you in their lives and give you more and more of their life. But if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, in a room this size, in a holiday this big, I know there are people here that don't know you and they're exhausted. But today they know, Jesus, that you're the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through you. That you have come at the set time that, God, you have desired. And that you have come, Jesus, to die a perfect death in our place for our sins. And through you, we can be made whole. So if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Jesus, might they say, God, I'm a sinner and I'm apart from you because of it. I know today that Jesus is the reason that I can have hope. And I accept him as my Savior. I repent of my past. I embrace the future and I want to follow you as my Savior the rest of my life. I realize that you gave so I could have and I accept that today. God, you pray, you tell us that if anyone prays that, they're new. The old is gone, the new has come. They're white as snow in your sight because of Jesus. And so now this communion means something far different. I pray that we remember that now. We remember you well, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. This is all for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.